I don't know about you, but going through life, we all have different uh, belief systems, don't we? There, some of it is brought up through, um, through, fa- through family, what families have, have taught and, and, put, and put. Some of it is, is cultural, some of it is through society. And we can go through life and we, we, learn, we learn things and we put them in and they, and they form uh, a belief system. And so part, part of that belief system that we, we have is that some of, some of those beliefs that we think are true we think they're true, but we take them on board, we apply, we, we apply, we apply them, and we go through life thinking that is just the norm. That is just the normal way of life. And so some, so some people, um, they don't know why, but they're scared of heights. I have a friend, doesn't know why they're scared of heights, but all they know is that when they were younger, their, their parents were scared of heights, and so they're scared of heights. And so it's not that they're scared of heights, it's the fact that the fear got passed down from their parents, and so they're scared of heights. So their belief system is, I can't go up high because I'm scared. A belief system that has come on from somewhere else that they haven't necessarily taken on board themselves. And sometimes we go, for, we go for life and sometimes we journey for life and more and more things come our way. I, want, I wonder, as we journey through time, our, our lives, I wonder if you were to look at your belief system, um, some of the things that we know, you know, okay, we, we're dealing with that, we're trying to challenge that, we're trying to work through that, but other things in our belief systems sometimes we think are true because it's been an experience and we apply them to be true, but actually they're not. And sometimes what we, what's happening, especially in this, genera- in, this, in this time and in this season, is that truth is not necessarily an absolute. Truth is an experience. And so you can be uh, sitting next to someone and having a chat. And I have got a friend who will pope uh, back in Chelmsford who will publicly and openly say, all men are dogs and idiots. That's a bold statement, isn't it? And, uh, and so that's their viewpoint because of the treatment that they've had, because of the situation that they've grown up. And so that is their statement. And so even though some men are, a lot of men aren't. There's a lot of good men out there. And I can see a lot of good men in this, in this room as well. And so, but however, some people take this and apply that across the whole spectrum. And same with guys. Some people, some guys say, "Do you know what? Women, you can't trust them. They use you, abuse you, take your money, and then they run. And it's your fault because you're the idiot because you let them do it. And that's their belief system. And I have got a friend whose belief system that is. And so when he gets into a relationship, that is his default position." I wonder, what are some of our default positions? Because we laugh and we joke, but some of our default positions is just as bad. Some people play out their whole lives trying to live through their belief system. And we all know about Will Smith and you know, smacking Chris Rock at the, at the Oscars, and that's everywhere. But in one of the statements that he said... He said, and in his biography, he said that he grew up in a violent home and when his his mum was being beaten by his dad, he regrets not doing something. So he said, my whole whole life has been trying to prove that I'm not a coward. 
And if you take that small reference and you apply that to what he did, sometimes you can see why that makes sense. Right? Even though the action was wrong, you can see why he did it because he doesn't want to be seen like a coward. A bit like Elton John. In, a, in an interview that happened with El- Elton John, people, someone, an interviewer asked him, do you know, why are you so elaborate? Why are you the way you are? Why do you have everything sparkling? Why is seven so big and bold? And he said, all I've wanted to do is try and get the approval of my dad. So the next song, the next concert, has to be bigger, has to be better, because he just wanted the approval of his dad. I want, it's amazing, isn't it, how, how, how some of these celebrities who we think might have all great together, and we lift them on a pedestal, and they do things just because they want to be accepted by their dad. It's interesting, isn't it? Even Tyson uh, Fury, the, bo- the boxer, with uh, his, his mental health and how he goes down. And you can listen to, interv- uh, li- listen to interviews um, and how, and the same uh, thing happened with, uh, some of you will know uh, Joe Rogan, he does podcasts and things like that now. Uh, they thought they were a waste of space, they thought they were worthless, they thought they were um, useless, they thought they were pathetic. And that was their default. And so their position was, how do I try and show the world I'm not useless, I'm not pathetic, I'm not a waste of space, uh, I, know I, can actually do, I can actually do stuff. And so they've been living out their lives through this belief system, whether it's wrong, whether it's right. Um, that's how they've been doing. But I wonder for us, when we go through and journey through life, what are the belief systems that we have? And I wonder, who told you that? If you trace what those what those things have been said about you, even when you're young, even and we also and even now, we, sometimes we say it to uh, to children and to boys and to girls, you know, and say to the girls, you know, you're too pretty to play in the mud, which is a backhanded compliment, isn't it? It's not a compliment. It's a it's a it's a diss. You're saying, no, no, you can't you can't you can't do that. But we try and sugarcoat it in a you're too pretty. And so people can so some people so people can say, oh, no, I can't do that because I'm too pretty, so I can't do that. And actually, instead of releasing, it actually inhibits. And the same with some guys, like guys, you know, you, boys, you know, you don't do you don't do that, you go and do this. And so the whole belief system plays out. And so when you get a boy who comes to 18, 19, and he's trying to date, date, and he's got a totally different belief system from an 18-year-old girl, and the girl's trying to find, finding love. And when an 18-year-old boy hugs uh, a, girl, a girl, she's going, oh, he loves me. And all he's thinking is like, I'm getting a hug. <laughs> it's true. And when, it, when they hit 19 to 20, 21, you know, and they're embracing and perhaps they're getting married and things like that, the, she, she's going, oh, this is amazing. You know, you, know, or you can almost hear kind of this Jane Austen saga going through her head, or, you know, the tears rolling down her eyes, and perhaps all his thinking through, depending on what, how he's brought up, is, you know, he's been brought up to build, knock things down. He hasn't been told to nurture, to look after, uh, to, 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 to hunt, and to do all these things. So coming to the relationship, all his thinking come the wedding day is, I get sex, I can have it whenever I want. You know, it's, you know, it's under God, it's under God now. There's a whole different belief system. And so when you don't get, so when you don't then, when they come, come their way, there's a clash because the belief systems have been totally different. And we've all seen it and we've all experienced it. And, and sometimes perhaps we can apply it to us. But where did some of those belief 
systems come for. And we know if we track it back, it's normally t two things, positions. It's either God's or it comes from the enemy. Perhaps we've said some of these things over our lives. But I'm going to read a few out, and perhaps you might have said some, some of these over your life. I know I have. And it says, I don't deserve love. I am a bad person. I am worthless. I'm inadequate. I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. I'm permanently damaged. I'm ugly. I don't deserve it. I'm stupid. I'm insignificant. I'm a disappointment. I deserve to die. I deserve to be miserable. I don't belong here. I'm pathetic. I'm lost. I'm unwanted. I'm unclean. I'm awkward. I am slow. I'm guilty. I'm a coward. I, I can't be trusted. I can't trust myself. I can't trust my judgment. I can't trust anyone. I can't protect anyone, and I can't protect myself. It's not okay to show my feelings, and I can't stand up for myself. I've lost my spirit. I have no integrity. I'm helpless. I have no hope because there is no hope for me. I'm not in control. I'm powerless. I'm weak. I'm a failure. I have to be perfect. I need to please everyone. I'm unworthy. I'm not interested. I'm not interesting enough. I've always come second. People say nice things about me, but I do not me, but I do not mean them. I'm trapped and I cannot escape. I should have done something. I did something wrong. I should have known better. I'm an imposter in my workplace. I always fail. I always mess things up. I cannot fix it. I've ruined my whole life. I cannot change. I wonder how many of you have spoken those things over your life, whether one, two, whether it's at some point, I think majority of all of us at some point have spoken the majority of those over us. But those belief systems, where it comes from growing up with the situations and circumstances where our family members have spoken over to you, so you're all, see, you always mess things up. Why can't you just be like your sister? Why can't you just be like your, like your brother? They're perfect. Why can't you just be normal? Why do you have to do, do it? And you have all these things that your parents, parents, parents say. I, I know from experience, not, not here, but in a... In uh, a previous uh, church they worked with, there was a, a, fa a family, and they had one one child who was an A, a student all the way through, and there was another, and their other ch other child who was about uh, yeah, their other younger child um, 
had learning difficulties and there was this struggle because they were really proud of the A student because they just got A's and everything, they did everything really well. But then when it got to the, got to the second child, there's this mission, I was like, why can't, and, and you could hear in the car, but you could hear the tension in their voice, although they perhaps didn't always say it, it's like, why can't you just be like your brother? Why can't you just be? And there's this expectation that we try and measure people up, but where did those thoughts come from? Ultimately, we know in Genesis 3, it says, and it should be coming up on, the, up on the screen, I think it's slide four. Thank, thank you so much to the guys at the back, you're doing a great job, really appreciate you. Thank you so much. We know that in Genesis 3, it says, he said to the woman, did God actually say Time and time again, when our belief systems are there and when the enemy is speaking to us, how, how, how many of you, perhaps it might, be the, it, might, it might be the same for you as me, some, sometimes the enemy doesn't have necessarily his own voice. Sometimes the enemy sounds like my voice. When I'm speaking to, when I'm thinking, and a thought comes like, is that me? And you have to check it. And so sometimes I'm going through life and I'm thinking, actually, that sounds like my voice, or is it? Because sometimes, depending on the situation and circumstances that you're going through, and depending on the cultural background, and you say you've got a culture of the town, of the city, of the, re- of the region, and you've got national cult- culture, the way things are done, and you've got international, all different things, and the enemy will speak into that situation, and even though he might speak a truth, he'll slightly twist it. So the truth, even though it's a, it'll twist the truth to become a lie, it will sound so true, we apply it to ourselves. And how often, it kind of, a bit like he's like, did God actually say? And we know that um, Eve, ta- Eve, takes, Eve takes it and then takes the apple and turn, turns around. And um, then from um, the next slide, in, kind of, in verse, from verse 8, it says, and then, he heard, and, said, and then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? I wonder, who told you that you were a waste of space? Who told you? Who told you that you couldn't succeed? Who told you that you're not valuable? Who told you? You see, we, we, we said it earlier, we all know, we all, we all know that the verse, and, uh, if we can have the next slide up, is uh, John um, chapter 8 from verse 31, it says, and this is Jesus speaking uh, to uh, Jews who have believed in him. It says this in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are, my true dis- you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is, that, how is that you say you will become free? Have you ever thought about that? What a stupid response. Have you thought about that? What, what the Jews 
turn around to Jesus and say, we've never, been, we've never been a slave to anyone. Seriously? He's, even as he says it, they're a slave to the Roman Empire. Not only that, we know that the Israel nation came out of slavery out of Egypt. Then later, later on, the, Assyrian, the Assyrians grew and they had, their, they had their empire. And then they went over and attacked Babylon. And then Babylon and Media then got together and attacked, came, came back and attacked Assyria. Then you have the Egyptians. They joined they join Assyria and attacked back. And so the Egyptians reinvade. Re, 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 Reinvade, and then after, then after, then after that, you have um, the Babylonians. Then take total, total control of the area, and they're exiled. And then you have the Persian Empire comes up, and the Persian Empire gets so big and it goes as far as Greece, and the and the Greece and the, and the Macedonia. Uh, Macedonians don't like it. And so Alexander the Great then rises up and comes back and takes over. What do you mean they've never been enslaved? Now after, the, now after Alexander the Great, you have the Roman Empire goes, uh, comes back up. What do you mean you've never been a slave? Selective memory. But, isn't, but you apply this to our lives. I wonder if God is saying truths about you, and, but we have, selective mem- we have selective memory because actually we think, actually, that's not really us. And in the same way that we can come in on a Sunday morning and we can sing, we can praise, we can worship, we can have a good time, we can meet friends. But as soon as we get in the car, turn on our radios, get to the first set of traffic lights, the thoughts come back and say, although you know it's true, they, you don't belong there. No one likes you. God, see, God's, God heals other people, but he doesn't heal you. Where's your answer to prayer? He doesn't speak to you. He doesn't love you. Have you ever had those thoughts? And it doesn't take long, and it's only, what, a few footsteps out the door? And we all have these battles. We all have these battles that we face. Because sometimes it's easier to believe our faulty belief systems, the stuff that people have spoken over us, because it's easier some some people think you know, they, they pray for a better for a better job, and I've seen it time and time and time and time again. People want a better job, and so they pray for a better job. They get a better job, but because it's uncomfortable, because it doesn't fit right, because they're succeeding too much, they self sabotage. Because they're not used to the environment, they're perhaps they're not used to being treated right in the workplace. Perhaps they're not used to this, and so they get to a certain point. But because it's unfamiliar, it's uncomfortable. They don't like it. They self-sabotage and go back to work at the place where, where because it's comfortable. Because they know the routine, they know how it's going to be treated. And sometimes people don't like change because you have to confront what you believe and say, "Okay, what I believe is a lie." I have been believing for a period of time that that is a lie. And, and facing up to your belief systems and saying, Do you know, is what I believe about myself actually true? Is that what the Bible says is true? We have to confront that. And the only way we, we can grow is a bit like on the computer, is that, that whole information that we, believe, that we have been believing about ourselves. The only way to move forward is to hit the delete button, say, Do you know, that's not who I am. And we have to unlearn in order to relearn, in order to grow and move forward. That's the only way you can do it. That's the only way you can do it. 
You have to let go. But in order to let go, you have to face, look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, who am I in Jesus? Who does God say that I am? What actually am I? Because sometimes we identify with um, our past and people identify themselves with the past and we live in the, in the past and we can't move out of the past and sometimes we just have to say, do you know what? We just have to let the past go. I always muck up. I get the promotion, but I let them, I let them down. And you see it's time and time and time again. Even with uh, today where... You get up in the, we, we, all, we all do it, we get up in the morning and even before we've perhaps we prayed, we've had our devotional time or, and all, all that stuff, you get up, you go to the toilet you, and you do your business while you're doing your business and you're on your phone or, you, or you're, you're making your breakfast and, you do, and as soon as you're doing it, the first thing that inputs into you is what's on Facebook, what's on social media, all this stuff. And so the first thing you get is, in, is inputted straight into you before you've had a chance to connect. And so right from the word get-go, we're already at a deficit because we're already trying to, they've had a really nice holiday. Oh, they've done that. Their thoughts are this. And so automatically, we've got input of how we should think, how our cognitive cognitive behavior and uh, the way we think is already being processed, is already being fine-tuned by what we then put into ourselves from the moment we get up. And this day and age, and this, and this amount of media with actually how the ads, on just, not just on TV, but on the internet, they're designed to interrupt your thinking. They're designed to interrupt your passion of thought because it means, because they're trying to sell your product. And so they don't care about your time because they just care about you seeing this product because they just want to sell. And so no wonder we all have short attention spans sometimes because actually our brains are being taught that way because actually you watch five minutes and then you have to have a go to a, a break. And so actually our minds and how we think and what we believe is all being shaped and changed by, by the media around us, by the TV, by TV. Everything is changing the way we believe about ourselves, we look at ourselves, we value about ourselves, we find our identity. Everything is trying to say, this is who you are, come follow us, this is who you are. You know, don't wear that brand, you're this brand, you need to be part of this brand. Everything is trying to say, no, come follow. And we, and we can put our identity in so many different things and we can put people on a pedestal, but as soon as they fall down... We get hurt because we put people on a pedestal because we believed in them and where it all falls apart. And so, because we're trying to work our way in our journey through our lives, because we're trying to find a way and we're all on a journey with God. We're all on a journey to find the way. But there's so many things pulling at us saying, believe this, believe that. And yes, there's that moment where we have to test, is it true or is it true? Because some people say, I've had an experience, this is my truth. And they'll thought and they'll put and they'll say, "This is my truth because I've experienced it." But even though they've experienced it, it might have been true for them in that moment. It doesn't mean that it's actually true. And the same for us. And so when we come and when we come around the Word of God, and when it says we have to say, "Okay, what is truth?" And what's really fun, and what's really funny with this, Jesus turns around in verse. 34, he says, and saying, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who, pro- who, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
you will be free indeed. And when you confess your sin to God, you know that you are saved. There's no jumping through hoops like the enemy says. I haven't got this on the slide, but we all know John 3.16. But I try and say to people, John 3.17 is just as important because it says, God did not, condemn, did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to set the, but to set the world free through him. But how much condemnation is in the world that we put on ourselves, that other people put on ourselves, to the fact that if you go for a job interview, they'll search your social media and they'll go all the way down to the bottom. And even if you said something years ago, because you said it years ago, that still must be true today because people don't change. Even though we give people grace, even though we know people change, but because you said this age ago, you're not getting the job. But how many times is that with politicians these days as well? Politicians, people in social in the media, in the media, people have said, "Do you know what?" That people people go through and scroll through people's history and say, "Do you know what? You've done that, so you can't get that job." But how often is the enemy almost like scrolls through our past and say, "Do you know what? I saw I saw you when you stole. I saw you when you lied. I saw when you perhaps committed adultery. I saw you when I did this. I saw you when you did this." And he lists all these lies, and you feel guiltier and guiltier and guiltier and guiltier. And so you're in this constant battle. So even though you know the sun sets you free, there's that element of still unbelief. The Israel nation had, had this as well. In, in Numbers 13, it talks about when, um, as they... When, as they came out of um, Egypt and they would go, go exploring, there was, a, um, there, was a, there was a report. And they said, this is the land of milk and honey. It's like, we can go and we can do it. But, but some people said, you know what? But the people are big, the people are large. We can't do it. And even though it was the land of milk and honey, there was a story told by the others. We can't do it because they're people. The cities are fortified. We can't do it. So, so they spread a bad news report. I wonder, even though God has placed something in our lives, we spread a bad news report. For them, because of this bad news report, they spend 40 years walking around in circles when, it's a, when it was only an 11-day journey. I wonder how many of us in our lives uh, have spent years walking around in circle because we simply haven't just said, okay, I'm going to trust you. I might not see it. I might not see who I'm supposed to be because it's hard to change, isn't it? When we can't see who we're supposed to be, it's hard to change. I know for myself, most of my life, I have the battle of the minds, battle of the minds of, of people saying, do you know what, James, of saying, James, I remember when you stole... I remember when I saw you when you beat that when you beat those people up. I I seen when how um, you, verb, you verbally abused people. I I've seen it when you when you broke that. I've seen it when you haven't treated right. And bit by bit by bit, you just on your normal day, and this thought will come up, and it's like, oh, really, that was me. I did that. And I have that on a daily basis. That's something that I've done in in the past will just pop up. But daily, I have to say, God, I did that. You know, I did that. I apologise. Will you forgive me? I have to daily put it into practice, say, I was that, but that's not me. And so when Poppy was born, 
back in uh, a couple, uh, 2020, I shared the, sto- shared the story how Joy, my wife, um, almost died. She lost half her blood, and Poppy's heart, heartbeat uh, went, for, went for a little bit. They were, con- they were concerned, and I heard the voice, this voice, which wasn't God's, uh, definitely wasn't God's, so I heard, heard his voice said, I'm coming for them, and I'm taking them both. And every now and again, since that's happened, even though I know that God has provided, he's looked after them, they are safe, they are restored, that they're, they're well. Every now and again, because I'm there in the delivery room and there's nothing I can do, all I can do is just sit and watch. On the theatre table, all I can do is just sit and watch. And you have to trust that my praying is enough, that God is enough. And every now and again, I can journey for, I can have a week and perhaps that voice will come back and I realise, I'll go back to that voice that says, you know what, I'm coming for them, I'm taking them both. And that's no constant thing, one of the daily things that I have to say. No, I trust God with my wife and with my daughter that because they, because they, you've got them in their hands, I trust you. I might not be able to protect them in certain situations, but I know that God, you can. So it is well with my soul. And we journey through life, and I journey through life thinking, John, I'm one of the people who, I'm an, intro, I'm an introvert, I like my own space, I love people, I love spending time with people, but sometimes I just need my own space and I need, to ret- I need to retreat. And sometimes I can be the person who's in a room, there can be a gathering of you know, a thousand people, two, loads of people, and I'll be the ones thinking, do you know what? I don't belong here. I don't fit in. Perhaps I should go. But I know that's a learnt behaviour from growing up. I was always the smallest in the in the class, I knew I had to fight my way into school sometimes. I knew I had to fight my way out of school. I know I was picked on. And so, although I had some, some friends, I couldn't really trust them. And so, there's still that default of growing up. That was, my, that was my default. I don't belong here. So, although I had friends, a lot of my friends let me down. And so, trusting friends for myself and trusting people, it hurts because one, one of the things is I get extremely loyal really quickly and try and judge who people, but the downside is, because you're extreme loyal and trust people, you get hurt really quickly because people let you down. And so part of my, so, so growing up, part of my thinking is I'm, I'm waiting for people to, okay, when are they going to leave? When is God going to leave? If I do something, is he going to leave? And growing up in the in the in the brethren in the brethren church, part of my thinking was, you know, if I do something wrong, something bad happens instantly that day. And so that's my belief. And so I'll be doing something, I'll do something wrong, uh, I'll say something, I think, do you know what? I'm going to get it now. And something bad would happen that you know, later on. I'll be like, do you know what? I caused that because I did that in the past. Even though it's got nothing to do with that whatsoever, my belief system is that. The enemy is punishing. The enemy says, "You know what? That's because you did that, and so God is punishing you." And so, for myself, that journey of God's not there with a thunderbolt, you know, going to smite you, but He's actually He's there. He's for you. He cares for you. He loves you. It's actually a journey that I'm still going on. I still know it. I, I know it. I'm still going, but I'm still processing because time and time again, every now and again, the enemy will just sneak in 
And even though I know, I still have to kind of put on that armor of God and say, I have to apply what I know in this situation because I can't let the enemy take me out. I haven't got another 40 years to walk around in wilderness. I don't know about you. Our lives, every single second that goes past, you will not get back. We won't get back. And so we have to realize our lives, God has placed you on this earth for a purpose, to be in a relationship with him. So don't let the enemy steal your time. Don't let the enemy steal your life. Because that's what he wants to do. And that's, one of, that's, that's what I found growing up in, 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 in high school and other things like that, is that actually when you get to school, school and other things, when you, when you apply this, there's a measuring stick. You have to meet a standard. So it's not about preparing yourself for the future. It's about if you want to be accepted, you have to, be, you have to look a certain way. So there's a, instead of having what God says about you, it becomes a measuring stick. And I couldn't find one of those old long wooden rulers that you used to have. Do you know, everyone used to remember those? Yeah, no, that's a no. Are you sure? <laughs> I don't know. I'm joking. But but and so there's like a measuring stick. You have to look a certain way, and then after after a while, if you don't make that, okay, you have to listen to a certain set of music, and then the the measuring stick just goes further and further and further, and so it's like okay, I have to meet all these before I become accepted. And people prepare themselves in school and in college to be accepted, but in doing so, it doesn't prepare themselves for the future. You sacrifice looking good and being accepted in the moment rather than preparing yourself for what God's got planned for you in the future. And so we sacrifice ourselves because of what society and our people measure. In the same way with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, we know that, for us, we know that if you confess your sins, you are saved by faith, and by faith alone, works does not save you. When you confess your sins and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again, you are saved. No question. And there's an outworking of that in our lives. But back in the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they would say, if you want to be a good Christian, and sometimes we do, we do it now to people, there's that Christian measuring stick. How much do you pray? That person must be really holy because he prays you know, a couple of hours in the morning. He's always posting those posts on Facebook. He's got his Instagram account. That's really holy. You know, his kids seem perfect. They're, they're perfect. They've got, the, they've got the job. They've got the, they've got the car. They always seem to be singing amen. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And we've seen them. But since the pandemic, they're not here. They haven't come back. I'm not naming names. But not just here. I have friends who have been like that in other churches. The pandemic hit. The rough times hit. And what looked good on the surface has disappeared. I'd, I still remember... How are we doing, how are we doing for... I still remember going to my dad's when I was a kid and I'd drawn a picture. I can still see it to this day. And I was like, I was really, really proud. I was like, 
drawn this picture. And he said, son, that's good, but this is what you could have done better. And my dad's a fantastic dad, by the way. I love him to bits. But that fed the perfectionist side of me. I'm a perfectionist. And I have a constant battle of trying not to be perfect. And so if I do so, even, even though nobody else would know that I've done something wrong, but I've spoken and I said something, I didn't communicate it well, or I was trying to be nice to that person, but I didn't feel like my attitude was good, good enough, I'd be like, I'd tear myself down and say, I just need, you need to be better, I need the best, because actually, and so you, so you beat yourself up because the enemy said, do you know what, you're not perfect, you didn't get it right. Who told me I had to be perfect? Who told you you had to be perfect? Who told you that everything you do had to be perfect? Legalism. A standard. Why do you have to be perfect? Why do you have to please everyone? Because that's my nature as well. I feel like I have to. I like pleasing people. I, I, I get I get enjoyment. I get uh, I get blessed when I see other people blessed. That's why I like to give because I like to say tonight. I don't need it. Let's bless people. Let's see them flourish. Because I like seeing people develop. I like seeing people grow. I like seeing people uh, push their boundaries to to go further than what I could. Because it's like because that's fantastic to see. I wonder what truths do we have to delete, unlearn, relearn in order to move forward? What what behaviours do we have to change? We might be praying for our family to be restored, but all our actions are pointing the other way because we're just pushing people away. We want to be a good friend, but we just don't treat people right. What do we have to unlearn? Because following on, from Numbers in, in Joshua 2. The reality was this. Before the, the spies went in for the second time in Joshua, Joshua um, she came up to them and said on, on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melts melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and you didn't and and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sharon how do you say that? Sold and Og whom you devoted to <laughs> devoted to destruction and as soon as we inherit it our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you for the Lord your God he is 
God in the heavens and above, on and above and on the earth and beneath. That was their viewpoint for 40 years. The Israelites were going around for 40 years thinking we can't do it. And for 40 years, the enemy is living in fear. When are they coming? When are they coming? If the, en- if the enemy can keep you in a place of fear, in a place of hiding from God's presence, like in Genesis 3, he succeeded. But if you start to glimpse and take a glimpse of who you are in God, start to apply what God says, and not just quote it, but know it deep down in your heart. I know that God is my protector and protector of my family. Why? Because I've lived for it. From, I know God has looked after me because he's cared for me. I know that God provides because when I've had no money, he has provided in ways that I'm absolutely still marveling at. I know he's brought me this, this far. I know that he never leaves me or forsakes me because in the depths when everyone else has abandoned me, he's been, only, he's been the only one there. I know this because I've tra- traveled through the hard times. And we know that this is Palm Sunday. In Luke 19, as Jesus, he's, he's drawing near, it says, as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice. So he hasn't yet reached Jerusalem. He's, he's still on his way going down the Mount of Olives and his disciples begin to rejoice and praise him with a loud voice for all the mighty works that, that they had uh, seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground and you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon, uh, upon, uh, one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. In this moment, when it says in this day, do you know what day this is? This is the answer to the prophecy back in Daniel. So in Daniel, there's a prophecy that talks about uh, you know, um, a certain amount of weeks. And it says from the edict, and the edict is when the, um, they get the, um, Nehemiah gets the edict, edict to, to restart to building the walls of Jerusalem. And then, so if you count all the years up, we, won't, we haven't got time going to all the maths and things like that. But if you do it from that, basically it works out to 173,880 days. So from that point, if you count, if you counted all the days, that would, t- that would say this is when the Messiah is coming to Jerusalem. The Pharisees and the Sadducees should have known it. This is what Jesus is expecting as he's approaching Jerusalem. This is the, so when he's arrived, he arrives on the day that the people in Jerusalem, the, the Jewish people, would choose their sacrificial lambs. 
And he rides on a donkey. And the donkey's got a cross on it. He's rising, literally, he's riding on a, a cross. He's riding it. And he's there and he's weeping. Why? Because the Jewish society are still caught up with measuring people with all the, with, by, the stamp, with, by the standards. You can't sit free unless you say this certain amount of prayers. You can't be free unless you give these certain offerings. And they have all these rules and regulations that the religious leaders are putting onto people and suppressing people. So it shouldn't be just the, the, the city of Jerusalem was there. It should have been the whole of Israel should have been there waiting. Because this was the moment, this was the time when their saviour, their ultimate sacrifice was coming, when they knew they would have peace once and for all with God. And he's there and he weeps. He said, if only you, I told you, you should have known. This was the day. Of my return. And as we go through our belief system, sometimes because we're so busy measuring people and measuring ourselves with yardsticks, about trying to measure up to what society and everything says, that we miss the point that today's the day that you could be set free. This moment could be the time that you could be set free. We don't have to wait for Jesus to come back because he's already come back. And he's died on the cross, and we don't celebrate because he just died on the cross. We celebrate because he's rose again, and he's alive. We celebrate not just a God who is on the cross, but we celebrate because he's alive, and he's living, and he's well, and he's projecting, saying, I am coming back, and I have set you free. There's no more condemnation. There's no more guilt. There's no more, sh- there's no more shame. Today is the day you can be set free. Today is the day we need to say, okay, what do I need to reset? What do I need to unlearn? What do I need to, for the sake of walking in my purpose that God has called me for? He has died on the cross. My, I'm not a waste of space. I'm not invaluable because God has died for me on the cross. So if he's died for me, I must be worth something. So if I'm worth something, what does he want me to do? And the expression goes, a robber doesn't rob an empty house. A car thief doesn't go to a field and say, I thought there'll be cars here. He goes to a place where there's cars. He go... So if the enemy is attacking you, there must be something important. If he can steal your identity, if he can steal you from becoming you, if he can steal the truth from, from within you, so you don't live your life, he's succeeded. Don't let him succeed. Because we've got a God who's more powerful, who's more bigger, who's more better, who's more gracious, who's more holy, who's more stronger. And we know that he's already won. You don't need to get even. You don't need to live up to other people's standards because you just live up to his. He says you're accepted. So instead of turning around and speaking all the negative names over, you, over yourselves, perhaps we should start to learn and apply and I've just written a few, da- a few down of what Jesus and what God calls us he says we're anointed we're believers beloved of God beloved brethren you are blameless because of him you are blessed because of him You are blessed because of the Father. You are born again. 
You're brethren. You're brethren of Christ. You are his bride. You're called of Jesus Christ. You're children of the Lord. You're children of God. You're children of the living God. You're children of the Father, children of the highest, children of Abraham, children of Jacob, children of the promise, children of the free one, children of the kingdom, children of Zion, children of the bride chamber, children of the light. There's a lot of children here. Children of Zion, children of <laughs> bride chamber, um, children of the resurrection, chosen, a chosen generation, chosen ones, chosen vessels. You're Christians, you're dear children, you're disciples, you're disciples of Christ. You are the elect of God, you're apostle of Christ, you're, you're the excellent, you're the faithful brethren of Christ, you're faithful, you're faithful of the land, fellow citizens with the saints, fellow heirs, fellow servants, fellow followers of the way, you're followers of Jesus Christ, you're friends of God, friends of Christ, godly. God's family, you're heirs of God, heirs of his grace of life, heirs of the kingdom, heirs of the promise, heirs of salvation, holy brethren, holy nation, holy people, holy priesthood, joint heirs with Christ. You are just, you have been justified. Kings and priests unto God. Kingdom of priests, you're called lambs, you're called the light of the world, you're called little children, you're called living stones, members, members of Christ. Men of God, obedient children, your offsprings, you are overcomers, you're partakers of Christ, you're peculiar, uh, I can't pronounce, the words are jumping around. Next, can anyone say that word for me? Sold. Can anyone say next one, so the words are jumping around. Next one. Keep going. Keep going. Trees of righteousness, vessels unto honour, vessels of mercy, watchmen, witnesses of God. There's so much more that he calls us, and so much more promises that he has for you. Would we stop believing the lies? And when we're faced with words that are spoken, may we trace back and ask the question, who told you that? Let us stand.